Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, everyone. We are here, sitting here in this awesome, just decked out studio. It's all these so studio gears here and stuff. Man. Ryan, how's your day going? It's great, man. I'm sitting here with a Diet Dr. Pepper. Uh, I was supposed to quit diet soda, and I just can't seem to do it. So, well, is what it is. It's okay. I mean, it's, at least it's a diet. Yeah, there's worse <laughs> things I could drink. Yeah, bro. I, yeah. Don't catch me on that like real bleach. soda. Yeah. Although it cure your COVID. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> could inject it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, out of politics and back into race, another non-controversial topic. Yeah. Um, today we have the classic slogan, Ryan. It's a sin issue, not a skin issue. Mm. Why do you always got to make it about race, Ryan? Yeah, Ryan. Why do you have a whole podcast about race and black and white church? Why are you doing this? So how do you how do you feel? <laughs> what do I, I feel say that? when you say <laughs> why are you making it about race and it's not a sin issue, it's a skin issue? No, how it's, I it's feel not a, it's not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. Oh, how I feel about that. <laughs> It's not about your skin, Ryan. It's about yeah, yeah, your sin. Yeah, yeah, my sin. I feel just like you know, you you know when your mom makes like a pile on the floor when she's sweeping, and you could yes. run around any other route uh-huh. in the in the kitchen, but then you decide to just run straight through the pile. You see the pile, you know the pile's been swept, and then you run straight through it anyways. Then you get dirt on your feet. Then your mom's upset. I feel like that pile. I'm like, what? Oh, I'm like, which one are you? Yeah, bro. You're the pile. I'm the pile. <laughs> I, I was sitting there just trying to do my thing. And I'm running trying through. Trying to exist. And you're running through, making all your decisions. I got my Crocs and socks on. You got on. your Crocs and socks on. You got all your intellect, yeah. right? And yeah. then here I am. I got my facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, just yeah. got your pile. I just got my pile. And so I'm just this pile of dirt that gets stepped on, basically. So the solution is to get a Roomba. Mm-hmm. A DJ Roomba. A DJ Roomba. Yeah. No, it honestly just feels bad, man. Like, it just feels like you just dismissed all of my existence. Or you just stepped on me and then basically told me to just not even think about my actual experience. Again, yeah. it's like my reality's been stepped on. Yeah. Well, it's it's literally like for 300 years we were like black 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 skin 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 skin, skin, skin. gone yeah oh and yeah mlk came it's gone races race doesn't matter anymore we don't need to talk about it we'll Mm -hmm. actually hit on that issue on a different one but let's talk let's talk about it um so i have a personal story and ryan you can share personal stories about your skin mattering um, Sounds good, dude. and how you may be aware of it. But I remember at a young age, I was actually talking with my mom last night. We were talking about this. Um, my mom at a young age watched Roots. If you know Roots, Roots is a, is a story basically detailing uh, Kunta Kinte. Kunta Kinte. You might know the Kendrick Lamar song, uh, King Kunta. Basically, it's detailing like a, a, a family of slaves and kind of their journey and what that looks like and what that looked like in early America. Um, so my mom watched it at a young age as powerful and impactful on her to like as a historical lesson, but also to teach her things about the current. And so she made me watch it when I was a young kid. Um, we were debating about how old I was, but we're pretty sure we landed. I was seven years old when I watched it. Um, and this is kind of a gnarly show. Um, that's just kind of brutal. That's how my mom rolls. But when I was seven years old, uh, I lived in Mesa, Arizona, which is where we're at right now. And I spent a lot of time swimming and in the sun. And being Italian, especially I'm the most Sicilian in my family, like genetically speaking, we did the 23andMe DNA test. There he is. So I got the most melanin. For sure, for sure. Um, and so I got pretty dark as a kid. 
Um, and so I remember after watching Roots, after we finished the series, I was taking a bath in our Los Endes home. And I, right before I was about to get in, I looked my mom in the eyes and I said, Mom, would I have been a slave back in early America? And she had like this incredulous look of like, what do you like? How would you mean? I'm like, well, look at me. Like, look at how dark I am. And I, I was really dark mm. and I still am relatively dark. More what of an olive, question, olive now because I'm a Seattle boy. Sure, for sure, for sure. Um, but so from a fundamentally from seven years old, and maybe you can say I was influenced by the liberal media of Roots, or just from a fundamental young age, I realized that my skin color had something to do with my place in society, at least historically, and maybe even into the present. So that was kind of my first exposure to skin actually mattering um, and what it looked like and how dark you were and how light you wanted to be. But Ryan, what, what has it been like for you? What has your journey been like in coming to awareness of your skin color? Uh, very quick. Uh, growing up in Northeast Mesa, again, you guys are going to hear this as a broken record. Uh, you just learn real fast, man. You just learn real fast that it's like, yo, I'm not like all these other kids. Like, my hair is not straight. And I'm not light-skinned. And okay. That's fine. My my family kind of is. My mom's kind of light. My grandma's kind of light. But for the most part, we're we're black. Okay, okay. So you get that quick. But one of my favorite reckonings. It wasn't awareness. Awareness came fast, but reckonings. Second grade. There was one other girl in the class. We might have talked about this on another podcast. And her name was Marcella. She was South African, but she was black South African. And Marcella and I were in the same grade, right? And so as early as second grade. We all start talking about crushes and who each other like and who you're playing tag with on the playground <laughs> at Red Mountain Ranch Elementary. And you know what my friends tell me? My white friends, they say, oh, Ryan, you and Marcella should date because, you know, you're both. And they never finished the phrase. It was, you know, you're both. It's that word. It's the word black. black. Can't say it. I even have students uh, that I have to tell in this church right now when we're talking about race things. I say, yo, it's cool to say black. I'm a black man. I say it. Capital B, B, black. (laughs) And they're just like, well, you know, like, uh," and I'm like, say it, black, say it, just say it. (laughs) And and, uh, that was my, like, reckoning of, oh, okay. And then that same year, some, like, girl that was in fourth grade or fifth grade, I don't know, she's making fun of me on the playground. She called me little black boy. And I was like, oh. I know I'm a black boy, but what'd you have to throw that little in there for? Mm-hmm. Like, what was that? And that was the first time, and I still do this. I called my, not called my older brother, went to my older brother's room or just talked to him at my house and was just like, I'm so mad about this, Brandon. I don't, I don't know what to do. And he's just like, well, why don't you call her this? And he gave me like some sort of cereal that I should call her, like in response. Like uh, we were making fun of her by calling her a cereal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even derogatory. It was literally some cereal that was probably like Rice Krispies or vanilla Honeycomb. or something. Something like that, yeah. And, and uh, I realized being so uh, affected by that because I knew there was derogatory with the little in front of it. So there you go. Marcella and little black boy. And we could we could maybe mark this off as kids just being innocent and knowing differences. Could. Uh, but little black boy sounds a little bit like other epithets. Hmm. That is kind of rooted in our history. So maybe they learn this a little bit from their parents and how their parents talk about other people. Yeah. Maybe not so much taught as caught. Yeah. 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 Anyway, the same way I caught my uh, dislike of the French. Yeah. So that was from my grandpa, who he doesn't like the French at all. Thanks, Nanny. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Nanny. We'll talk about Nanny a little bit later. Can't um, wait. 
So let's let's place this statement. Uh, it's not a you know a skin issue. It's a sin issue. Which yes, it is a sin issue, of course. But it, yeah, it can also be a skin issue. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it could be both. Um, but let's place this in the context of history because we might think it's like wow, we found this like cool little slogan. Um, where it's like pastors always give us these little slogans. Like, it's not how much you can do for God, but how much God has done for you. Oh. <laughs> it's like the classic, like, oh, man, oh, we, yeah, we did a play on point, words. Baby. Woo. Um, so cool. We have a cool little play on words. It's not a skin issue. It's a sin yep. issue. For sure. Why do you always make it about race? But this has been like being yelled at black people from the 60s and maybe even earlier, where white people for centuries made it about skin and literally subjugated people just because of the color of their skin and then decided post-60s, Oh, it's not about skin anymore. You got y'all need to move on. Like you guys are making this about race way too much. Yeah, MLK got some laws passed, so it's over. Yeah, we finished it. It's over. We elected Obama. We're done. Mm. Um, but let's place this statement a little bit in the history to show you that hey, that clever play on word statement isn't new. MLK was dealing with these exact same statements. Um, so MLK says, in the midst of blatant injustices inflict upon the Negro, which that might trigger you as well hearing the word Negro, but that was the common word. Um, in the 60s, I have watched, so in the midst of blatant injustices inflicted upon the Negro, I have watched white churchmen stand on the sideline and mouth pious irrelevancies and sanctimonious trivialities. Woo. In the midst of a mighty struggle to rid our nation of racial and economic injustice, I have heard many ministers say those are social issues with which the gospel has no real concern. Yeah, dude, it's just communism, right? Yeah. Why focus about skin when we can focus about sin? Sin. Um, that makes us feel a little better. So let's look at a little bit of data because we love data because we're Westerners. Um, we really like think data tells us everything and we can trust data unless it comes from a source I don't like or I don't like the data. But yeah, let's, yeah, let's go yeah, with data. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with data. Um, 51% of white people say too much attention is paid to race while 73% of black people say too little attention is paid to race. Hmm. White Republicans scored the highest with 59% saying too much attention is paid to race. So think about those numbers. Again, just like we talked about in black and white church, Polar opposites. Discrepancies. So, why why do we have this discrepancy, Ryan? Why historically do you think white people have moved on from race, but black people just can't give it up? Yeah, okay. So, here's here's what's up. Um, this is my, my opinion, okay, guys? Uh, so, you know. But in my thinking about this, what you have is when you have somebody who is typically in power or typically gets to dictate how life goes, it doesn't go away easily. And that's a loose anecdote from Frederick Douglass. Power... Uh, must power just doesn't concede. Uh, it has to be demanded to concede itself. That's what happens with power. And so because of that, um, what I see happening uh, with this thing is that once MLK got his, quote, time, that should be enough for the moderate. That should be enough for the black or for the Negro uh, because... Their worth was never actually counted as the same. It was always counted as lesser. And so once there's actually uh, legal priority given to them and once there's actually uh, representation given, what happens in, in the white community, especially in the Republican white community that typically sees uh, free market capitalism and making money and individualism as like the greatest things to ever happen to humanity, is that you become dismissed because you are not efficient and you are not actually um, contributing to the, uh, I don't know, ideals of just white consumerism. And so this happens as a skin issue and a sin issue. This happens because 
It's complicated, and it requires sacrifice, and it requires an acknowledgement and humility, and all of that doesn't make money, and all of that doesn't necessarily coincide with power. And because of that, it's much easier, especially for our largely white churches, that align in this like Republican, American, Christian sort of thing. It's much easier to just bypass the sacrifice and listening and learning and, and humility uh, and to just carry on with your programs and your sermons than it is to get down into the mud and in the thickness of what it means to create effective change for people who are looked down upon. And so short answer is, Colton, it's too hard. You don't want to deal with it. And so we oversimplify it then. Oversimplify. Instead of dealing with the complexities of racial inequality, economic inequality, all these different things, let's just put it under this great umbrella of sin. And then, oh, why is it you get a sigh of relief when you hear someone say, not us, but when someone, like a white person hears someone say, at the end of the day, it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. Why does your heart take a sigh of relief? Because now you don't have to deal with that thing. <laughs> and we're going to talk about thing. sin here in a second um, and that posture towards it. But let's just think about this. For hundreds of years until the 1960s or even beyond, white people made it a skin issue. But then all of a sudden we decided to stop. But would we say this thing, like this kind of slogan about other issues? Would we say homelessness is not an economic issue but a sin issue? Would we say abortion is not an infanticide issue but a sin issue? Would we say murderers going free is not a judicial malpractice issue but a sin issue? Would we say 9-11's attack on U.S. soil was not a religious terrorism issue but just a sin issue? Would we say that homelessness at the end of the day is not a drug issue or uh, an issue of bad choices but just a sin issue? It doesn't matter what the issue is. If you agree with it and want to help it, you won't you reduce will it. You do it, yeah. But as soon as it comes to something about race, we want to dismiss it as just a sin issue. Everyone would say that murder is more than just sin. <laughs> and murderers going free is more than just a sin issue. There's a whole litany of rules and laws that we have to go through to make sure murderers don't go free. So it's just, it, it blows my mind. It sounds cool. It sounds good. Honestly, that's a good slogan. It's play on words. Yeah, it's tweetable. But it's just, it's so overly simplistic, especially when you take into consider history and especially when you take into consideration the other things we care about. And that's why I feel like the dust. You just ran through and said, nope, not really. (laughs) And I'm just the Roomba. Yeah, the DJ Roomba. (laughs) I might get a little bit of the dust. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really helping a lot. Oh, Uh, man. I love what you're saying, though, about like, dude abortion you're not just gonna say that's a sin issue like dude 9-11 all buildings matter that's not just a sin <laughs> issue we're gonna get into all lives matter a little okay <laughs> it's like wow we will choose and this is my frustration with with white church um thinking often and again i'm in white church i'm in the thick i love you guys but we have to talk okay this is my this is my frustration is it's almost as if white church gets to choose what the issue is. Mm -hmm. You get to choose what social issues are or whether or not they exist. Not black church or black people. We just existing is a social issue. Just being alive and being black means, oh, I'm up against hardship and adversity because that is what this country fundamentally set for black people. And so even saying "Mm, that's this kind of issue, not that kind of issue is a fundamentally white power dynamic. It's yeah. a very fascinating thing. Again, this is not all white people, not all white churches, but this is what we've seen when we set this phrase in history. Yeah. And this is exactly what the Puritans did to their black-owned slaves. I'm saving your soul, but your body, your skin, 
your humanity is in chains. And if you want to hear more of Ryan's heart, uh, you can go to my Instagram, colton.mio. Um, and Ryan one time spoke at this white church that he's a pastor at. Right on, now. On a night of lament, kind of detailing pretty specifically this issue. Obviously, there's a lot of issues he kind of talked about, but just had a night of lament about what it means to be in black skin. Yeah. Um, yeah, this white church I'm in right now, we fundamentally decided we're going to lament over this. And so that was a huge step. And I felt so loved and cared for by my community. A lot of you guys listening that might be white, black and white spaces or different ethnicities and white spaces. If you haven't had a night like this, I would strongly encourage your leaders to to do one. Just want to say that. So let's get into some scripture because, uh, again, we're Christians. We believe in Jesus. Come on. There's something the scriptures has to say something about this. Has uh, to. But before we get into scriptures, we'll get into my second scriptures, which is MLK. Hey, <laughs> MLK was an Enneagram eight, so I love him because he says it Good like times. I would say it, but in such more articulate ways. For but those of you guys wondering, I'm an Enneagram three wing four, so I like to achieve, <laughs> but I'm sad. Just in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> uh, Okay, so MLK has a famous quote. Uh, it, we're going to use this in a different episode because it's, it's a good quote um, that kind of helps. It's almost a tweetable quote against the tweetable thing that we're talking about. But he says, changing laws can't stop a man from hating me and changing his heart, but it can stop a man from lynching me. Mm. So, yes, it is a sin issue, and we need to deal with the heart issue. But in the meantime, can we also deal with how sin plays out in actions in different things, like literally the Sermon on the Mount talks about murder originating in your heart, and both are bad. If you have hate in your heart, you're a murderer, and if you're a murderer, you're a murderer. So do both. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. I really want to hit on this the sin issue thing, though, because it, even if this tweetable slogan is right, even if it has nothing to do with skin anymore, it's mm-hmm. a sin issue in people's heart. It's not about race. It's just a sin thing that we all have sins of different things. And it's about a sin issue. Then why the heck aren't you radically trying to eradicate sin? Literally, Romans 16 tells us that we need to crush Satan under our feet. We have Paul talking about fleeing from sin, abstaining from sin. And Scripture speaks of Jesus conquering over sin and calls us to do the same. Do we really not take sin that seriously that we hear it's a sin issue and we breathe a sigh of relief? Have I heard that racism is not a skin issue, it's a sin issue? If anything, that should mobilize you to want to fight it even harder. Because that means it's about principalities and powers that are greater than just the external bodily world. But we don't. It kind of gives us just, huh, breath of relief. Which speaks to this underlying belief that we definitely pick and choose what sins we actually think are sins and what sins we think aren't. And that speaks a lot to your heart and your theology of who God is and what humanity is. If you breathe a sigh of relief once you hear, oh, it's a sin issue. Because then what that says to me is that I actually don't have to do anything with that sin. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually scot-free. Jesus just paid for that. There's nothing I have mm-hmm. to do. And it's not necessarily your fault that you have that posture because, again, if you're in a 98% white area and at a mm-hmm. 98% white church, then, yeah, those aren't the current issues that are facing your community or your own life. Lower on the scale. But you need to actually face the issues that are like hurting people that aren't like you, that are a part of your greater community, that are part of even the greater church community. Um, this reminds me, and my dad and I were talking about this the other night, when George Floyd's video came out, my dad said he couldn't even watch the whole thing. It was so disgusting um, and despicable. But my first thought is, you better watch that dang video. Like, watch the whole thing. Because my dad used to be a person, he's, he's a super compassionate guy, and we'll actually have some positive examples of him in other episodes. But 
for a long time, it's kind of not focusing on the skin issues. It's not a race. There's not race issues in America. I don't ever see it because he doesn't have black friends. He doesn't have to go to a church that has black people in it. So he never gets firsthand experiences. So the only way they see it is through videos. But then we don't want to watch the videos because it's kind of gross and bad. But I'm saying if, if you are a white person, watch that whole eight minutes and 46 seconds of that video. Watch the Ahmad Arbery clip. Watch these videos of racism played out right in front of our eyes. And then try to come and tell me it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. Even if it is a sin issue, look at how disgusting that sin is being played out on video. Absolutely. You have to face that and eradicate it. Face it in yourself. Face it in society. But alas, don't ask me to watch it because yeah, I don't need to keep watching my own people get traumatized over and over again just to have somebody tell me that it's not a bad thing or that person deserved it. Or what if you just actually believed, Ryan, hmm. and then you don't need to watch a video because you would have already believed that there's some skin issues. Yeah, Dad, you're not going to have to watch a George Floyd video if you actually believed my stories of my black friend Ryan or other black stories. But since you right. don't believe those stories, well, now we have smartphones and you're going to have to watch it. Yep. So that's the episode. That's the episode. <laughs> hey, see, uh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, see you guys next time, but you finish it out. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, if you're feeling a little bit uh, frustrated, good. That's just how it feels, man. You just wade into and that well, feeling. And women. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Wade into that. Don't let that pass you by without you going... Okay, Jesus, and if you're a non-believer, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Ask yourself, what's making you feel upset? What's making you feel frustrated? And if you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm gung-ho about this. I need to go. Make sure that you don't uh, step over the voices of your black <laughs> friends by trying to over-represent them. Uh, because this is part of the conversation, too. We want to be with you, not below you or behind you. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, Seattle is the example, baby. Oh, I can't, I can't imagine why. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, see you all later.